Welcome to the Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, your place for positive, uplifting messages of hope. You can learn more about us at fredericksdachurch.org. Now here's Robert Quintana with his message, The Divine Trifecta, Part 3. Let me ask you guys a question. Has anyone here ever struggled with the question, what is God's will? Has anyone here ever wondered what God's will is? Has anyone here ever wrestled with that? You've gone around in circles. What is God's will? What does God want me to do in this situation, in this scenario? I am faced with a decision. What is God's will? What does God want me to do? Do I buy? Do I sell? Do I move? Do I accept the promotion? Do I move on to another job? What does God want me to do? Is this really the person that God wants for me? Is this really the person that, I'm, that I should marry? What is God's will? What should I study? Here I'm going to college and I don't know what to study. God, what is it that you want me to study? What is God's will for my life? Has anyone here ever struggled with that, or am I the only one? What is God's... Tom, thank you. You've struggled with that question. Has anyone else besides Tom and I struggled with that? Okay, so now the hands... But there's still a lot of you out there that have never struggled with this question. Is it safe to say that we all have struggled with this question, what is God's will for my life? Today, I do not claim to give you a formula or a step-by-step process to find out God's will for your life for sure, but what I do want to do is share with you a guiding principle that can help you determine God's will for your life. It is a guiding principle that can help you determine God's will for your life or for whatever decision you might be faced with. I remember there was a time in my life when I was in college when I was consumed with trying to find out how can I know God's will for sure. There had been times in my life when I had struggled with this. How can I know God's will? How can I determine what's God's will? So I I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to study and I'm going to pray and I'm going to come up with the solution and then I'm going to write a book and I'm going to, it's going to sell, it's going to, you know, sell millions and, and, uh, but guess what? It didn't happen because as I studied and as I prayed and as I tried to, to put it all in a, in a way that I can understand, I realized that knowing God's will is sometimes impossible. I don't say that to, for you to lose hope. It just, sometimes it's complicated. I mean, sometimes trying to understand this infinite God with a finite mind, it is very difficult to understand God's will. I remember picking up a book by Morris Venden entitled, Knowing God's Will. I was like, here it is. Knowing God, a book. Knowing God's will. So I picked it up and I remember reading it for cover, from cover to cover. And when I finished with that book, I was so upset 
Because in that book, there was no formula. There was no one, two, three. There was no easy steps on understanding God's will. And I remember just putting that book down and I was just so frustrated. And then it was a few weeks later that someone said to me, have you read that book, Knowing God's Will by Morris Venden? Man, that book is fabulous. That book is awesome. It has helped me so much in understanding God's will. Now, did I miss something here? So I went back, I picked up the book again, and I started to read it, this time a little more carefully. And I started reading, and I began to understand the second time around what Morris Venden was really trying to get across to his readers. And here it is. This is the point that I got from his book the second time around. That if you want to know God's will, are you ready for this? You have to know God. If you want to know God's will, you need to know God. Now listen, I understand that sometimes knowing God's will is pretty simple. It's pretty easy. Sometimes we can turn to the Word of God and say, ah, it's clear, it's right there. God's will is that I should not or that I should, and we can fill in the blank. Sometimes it is as easy as that, but sometimes knowing God's will is a little more complicated than that. And I remember finally getting to the point after reading that book the second time that said, okay, if I want to know God's will with the big issues of life, with the decisions that I face in life, then I need to know God. I need to know God. If I want to understand His will, then I need to know God. Now, that uncovered a whole other bunch of problems, concerns, issues, because how does one get to know God? How does one get to know this infinite God with a finite mind? We're in the middle of a sermon series on the Trinity, and this first part which we end today is trying to understand God the Father. Next week, we're going to start the series within a series on knowing God the Son. But today, we're still focusing on God the Father, particularly how do we know the will of God? And how do we know the will of God? We have to know God. And so faced with that dilemma... Faced with that question now is how do I know God or how can we understand God is what started this whole study in trying to understand who God is by looking at the life of Jesus. Even though next week we're going to be looking at Jesus Christ, God the Son, it's interesting how this all came about when studying God the Father Because if I want to know who God the Father is, I need to look at God the Son. Now, there's a few passages that I want to turn your attention to. The first one is found in 1 John. This is the passage that we started this whole series with, 1 John. So turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, 
starting with verse 7. I'm reading from the New King James Version today. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And it says this. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and... What does that say? And what? Knows. And knows God. So if you want to know the will of God, you need to know God. And I just read here, beloved, let us what? Love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is what? Born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You want to know the will of God? You need to know God. And how do we get to know God? We need to know what love is. And not only know it on an intellectual basis, we need to practice it. And this is why we're told just a few verses before in chapter 3, verse 18, it says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue. Let us not just talk about it. It says, but in deed and in truth. In other words, you need to put this love into action. And so, as I was trying to figure out this whole thing about God and, and uh, um, who is this God and how can I understand his will and, and if, I need to un- if I want to understand his will, then I need to know him. But to know him is to know love. So, so where do I go? Jesus Christ. Because in Jesus Christ, we see the revelation of God's love. And so if I turn to Jesus Christ, then I can get a glimpse of what love is. And if I can get a glimpse of what love is, then I'm going to know who God is. And if I can understand who God is, I may then understand his will for my life. And so this is why we're going back to Jesus, going back to the story of Jesus, going back to see and to hear and to read the life of Jesus. I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles now to the book of John, the gospel of John. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I want to make this connection crystal clear for all of us here today. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, starting with verse 6, says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, Jesus says, you would have known my Father also. And 
from now on, you know him and have seen him. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you have known me, if you have seen me, if you have tasted me, if you have experienced me, then you have seen and known and have tasted and have experienced the Father. I am a revelation of the Father. And so if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you have known me, you have known the Father. Well, the disciples were just as confused as I was when I first read this. Because in verse 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. Okay, so Jesus just finished telling them, if you have seen me and have known me, then you have seen the Father and have known the Father. And then Philip stands up and he says, okay, okay. So if you show us the Father, it is sufficient for us. What? Philip, are you not listening? And so Jesus patiently and lovingly, you know, how he is with us, he, he once again, okay, let me see if I can say this a different way so that they can understand what I'm trying to say. And in verse 9, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me? Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. And so he's trying to convey this message to his disciples that I am a revelation of the Father. That if you have seen me, if you have known me, then you have seen the Father. You have known the Father. And see, don't, don't forget here that what we're trying to get at is knowing the will of God the Father. We're trying to get to a point where we can understand what is His will. And in order to understand His will, I need to know Him. You know, it's interesting. Heather and I, we are celebrating 10 years of marriage this year. And it's been an awesome, incredible 10 years. Ups and downs, but through it all, it has been amazing. It's been awesome. And the interesting thing is, is that the, the longer we spend together, the more time we spend together knowing and getting to know each other, you know, the more I know what her will is and the more she understands what my will is. So if you were to ask her, do you want vanilla or chocolate? I can tell you what her will is. Why? Because I know her and I know that she's going to choose chocolate every time. Every time, without exception. Dark chocolate. <laughs> Taboo. Last night at the way, we were discussing uh, CCM, Christian Contemporary Music, and we're talking about some upcoming concerts and 
talking about the Hillsong is coming to town and, and we were trying to figure out who's opening for Hillsong and we were just throwing some names around and, and uh, somehow we got to, the, to, to discussing and debating who is bigger in the Christian contemporary world, whether Hillsong or Michael W. Smith. And I was arguing Michael W. Smith is. That's a no-brainer. He's been around forever. He's like, he like invented contemporary music. I mean, Christian contemporary music, right? And no, 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 Hillsong is bigger. Hillsong is, they're, they're the bomb. They're, they're it. And I'm like, well, maybe they're it now, but Michael W. Smith, I mean, he's won so many awards and, you know, he's much popular. And then I said, in, in trying to prove, you know, myself right, and trying to prove that I was right, I said, I mean, come on. You know some of the songs that, that Michael W. Smith put out there, you know, like uh, uh, the one about trampled like a rose, you know. Um, and he wrote that. I said, yeah, he wrote that. That was him. And then I was like, oh, and you also know the other one that he wrote, like friends are friends forever for the Lord's Lord of them. Like everyone sings that. Like there was a period where at every graduation, um, at every, you know, goodbye ceremony, that song was played. He sang that too. I said, yeah, he sang that. And just as we were talking about this, Heather walks into the room. I said, Heather, I said, listen, we'll ask her. Now, I know Heather, so I know she was going to side with me. (laughs) So it was a little bit unfair because I know her. And I know what she's going to say. So I said to her, I said, okay, Heather. I said, name the top five Christian contemporary artists of all time. Well, guess who she said? Michael W. Smith. And so we're all laughing and cracking up. And I was like, I told you, I told you. And then I said, okay, okay. I said, what do you think uh, his most famous song is? And she's like, well, it's got to be friends are friends forever. I was like, yeah, awesome, yeah. And then I said, okay, and now think about one of his most popular worship songs. What do you think she said? What do you think she said? Huh? Above all, like a rose trampled on the ground. I was like, yes. I'm realizing now that that was a little bit unfair because I knew how she was going to respond. Why? Because I know her. And the more I get to know her, the more I know her will. And see, what we're trying to get to the bottom of here today is how can I know the will of God? And in order to know his will, you need to know him. And in order to know him, you need to look at the life of Jesus Christ. Because as you look at the life of Jesus Christ, as you study his life, as you meditate on his life, you, it is revealed to you who God is, and by that revelation, you now figure out what His will is. I'd like for you to turn just probably a page over to chapter 15, John chapter 15. This is what it says here in verse 9. It says, as the Father loved me... I also loved you. Abide in my love, Jesus says. 
if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. You see, what I hope is beginning to happen here is that this preconceived idea that we have of God the Father, of being this old, white-haired, robed man sitting somewhere out in the universe in a, on a throne somewhere, you know, just kind of barking out orders and looking around and, and find, you know, trying to find people that he can accuse and say, ah, I gotcha. That's wrong. It's so wrong. Because when we look at the life of Christ, And we make the connection that by looking at the life of Christ, we are actually getting a revelation of God the Father. We realize that God is love. That God the Father is love. And so he goes on to say here in verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be Fool, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. And so through Jesus Christ, in knowing Jesus Christ and studying and meditating on his life, It is clear that Jesus was love. But in so doing, we have to conclude that God, God the Father, is love also. And so when you understand that God is love, and you know that God is love, now that starts to help you understand what God's will is for your life. You see, because the one guiding principle that we need to understand when trying to make life's biggest decisions, the one guiding principle that we need to understand when trying to recognize God's love, God's will for us is God is love. That's the guiding principle. The guiding principle for understanding God's will is that God is love. Not just in words, not just intellectually, but actually putting it into action. Let me see if I can help bring this together by looking at a story found in the book of John a few chapters before, John chapter 4. Go with me to John chapter 4, and and hopefully this story will start to bring this all together in trying to understand God's will for our lives. John chapter 4. This is an amazing chapter. It's a beautiful story. I'm not going to take the time to go into great detail, but this is the story when Jesus meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan. And there's just so many beautiful truths about this story. The fact that it was high noon, so we deduct that, you know, this woman must have been an outcast or not not very much liked, and so she was there alone during a time of the day when 
when women did not go to draw water. So she was alone. And, and here we know that Jesus was hungry. He was thirsty. But we know that he had gone out of his way to go through Samaria. Samaria. And so here now we are at this well. And Jesus engages in a conversation with this woman. And he shares with this woman things about her life. He shares with this woman things about himself, about him being the Messiah, about him being the the water that if you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. This woman is in awe of what has taken place. And she realizes that there is something special in this man. And so we read that this woman takes off to her town, to her city, to tell the men and women that she thinks she may have found the Messiah. And so while she's gone, the disciples who had gone to find food are now returning to the well. And this is where we pick up the story in verse 27. And it says this, And at this point the disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? They dare not question him. They thought it a bit strange. Why is it that Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman? They marveled. And they were asking these questions to themselves, maybe to each other. But they dare not ask him face to face and say, hey, why is it that you're doing this? Verse 28, it says, The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Eat. We've gone and and we've brought food. We, We know you're hungry. We haven't eaten all day. Here, have something to eat. And it says here in verse 33, I'm sorry, it says in verse 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. You have no idea the kind of food that I have just feasted on. You have no idea. So maybe some of you can relate to this. Like you've been so enthralled or so taken by by something that, you know, the hours just go by and and you forget that you're hungry. You forget that you're thirsty. You're just like, man, this is awesome. Like this is great. Like that's happened to me before when I'm hiking and and I see, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying nature so much. The mountains, the trees, the birds that I, I just forget to eat. Like I, you know, later on, it's like, oh man, I haven't eaten. I'm hungry. You know, sometimes in life we get so consumed with something. Maybe the football game. I don't know. You know that, you know, they're calling us. The, the food's ready. No, no, wait, wait. And you haven't eaten all day. And, but you're so enthralled by what's taking place on the TV that the food can wait. Here Jesus finds himself in a very similar situation where he has just feasted. He has just, I mean, his heart is just so overjoyed and overthrilled that he's like, he's just not hungry anymore. It says here in verse 33, Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought 
him anything to eat? We don't get this. I mean, he hasn't eaten all day. Has someone brought him food without us knowing here? Uh, What's going on? Why isn't he eating? Why isn't he hungry? And then in verse 34, it says, Jesus said to them, now listen, my food is to do what? The will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That was his will. That was his food. The, the thing that, that held Jesus together, the, the thing that gave him life, energy, the thing that sustained him was to do the will of him who sent him and to do the work of God. That was his food. That, that's what turned him on. That's what got him excited. I mean, this is what it's all about, is to love, is to reach out as God would if he was here. You see, my friends, the will of God is to love. Is to love unconditionally. The will of God is to love sacrificially. That the will of God is to love and and put one's needs on the back burner. That's the will of God. The will of God is to go without food, go without drink, sell everything that you have in order to love. That is the will of God. But see, there is a problem. There is a problem now because we want to know the will of God but we really don't. You see, because the will of God stands in contrast to our will. Let me tell you about your will. Let me tell you about my will. My will is a selfish will. My will is one that says, how do I get ahead? That's my will. My will is, how do I protect my investments? That's my will. My will is how do I make sure that I don't put so many miles on my car, I, I, I need to prolong it. How do I make sure that I don't put any scratches on the car? That's my will. My will is to, to look out for me, is to protect me. It, it's, I, I need to protect my investments, what I have. That is my will. But the will of God tells us something completely different. The will of God is what can I give and I will give it all even if it means that I die. That's the will of God. And so maybe it's easier for us to understand now why His will and our will are constantly battling, are constantly at war with each other because His will for us is to surrender, is to give, is to love unconditionally, sacrificially, not holding anything back, but to give. And if it means selling everything and going and giving it to the poor, that's God's will. But that doesn't sit well with our will. And so we play these games with God and we go around and, you know, we try and figure things out, like how can we do God's will but yet keep my will intact. And and all the while, Jesus is saying, do you want to save your life? 
Do you want to save your life? Because if you want to save your life, guess what? You're going to have to lose it. Uh, Do you really want to know my will? Because my will is for you to go and love unconditionally. Not to turn your back on anyone. Not leave anyone hanging. Not to talk behind anybody's back. Not to walk out on a relationship. My will for your life is for you to love unconditionally as I have loved you. Do you want to know me? Because if you know God, you will know his will. And when you start looking at the life of Jesus Christ and you start realizing who God is, all of a sudden we're faced with a huge dilemma, which is, am I going to surrender? Am I going to serve as Christ did, as God would? Because that is the will of God. The will of God is for us to love. Like I mentioned, though, there's these two wills warring with each other. Our will, a selfish will, how do I preserve, how do I protect, how do I keep my investments intact, God's will, sell it all. Go and love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, those are, are, it's there, it's clear. But there's these two wills battling each other. I remember reading a story a while back, somewhat of a funny one, of a guy who um, wanted to do something special for his wife's birthday. And uh, they'd been married for many, many years. And you know how it is when you've been married for such a long time. It's hard to kind of, you know, find that special birthday present that kind of tops the last years. And, you know, you don't want to do the same thing over and over again. So you're constantly thinking, what can I do? And you know, it's not just, you know, B-Day, but it's also anniversary and Christmas. And, you know, as a guy, you're, it's, it's hard. It's hard because you want to do something special, right? Does any guy here relate with what I'm saying? All right, so you're, you're just, you're, you're wanting to do something special. And so this is where this guy was. He was struggling. What do I do? So he's driving down the road and he's passing the airport. And he, see, he sees a sign that says, time to take flight. And he goes, perfect. I'll take her for a plane ride. And so he drives it, you know, he, he turns into the airport. He goes in, he talks to the pilot and the pilot said, yep, yep. We're taking people up for X amount for one hour. And he says, oh man, that's way too expensive. I, I can't afford that. That's way too much for one hour. Pilot says, yeah, that, that's the going rate. That's the best I can do for you. He's like, no, no, he said, you can do better. Come on, you, you can help me here. Like, give me some kind of discount, a senior discount, something, you know. Um, and just, no, I'm sorry. This is, this is the best I can do. I mean, I have expenses. I have bills to pay. And, and uh, he, he kept on and on and on and on. And finally, the pilot said, okay, I'll make a deal with you. I will give you a 50% discount, a 50% discount if... You and your wife don't say a word during the flight. I mean, you can't say any, you can't scream, you can't whimper, you can't say a word, you can't cry out, you cannot say a word 
during the flight. The man says, deal, and they shake on him. The pilot is thinking to himself, this is easy. As soon as I get up there and I just do a few of my stunts, go up and down, maybe do a few, you know, loop-de-loops, I got them. They're going to scream. So the husband goes back, says, honey, I have the perfect, 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 perfect birthday present for you. And he goes and explains. He says, but unfortunately, it was too expensive, but this is the deal that I made. And so he explains everything to the wife. The wife's on it. She's like, I'm on board. I won't say a word either. And so the day came for the flight. They all show up. The pilot reminds them of the agreement, 50% off if you don't say a word. The whole time, the pilot's thinking to himself, cha-ching. They get on the plane. They take off. It's one of these stump planes, open air cockpit, and they're flying along. And the pilot says, here we go. And right off the bat, he does this big loop like this. And wouldn't you know it, not a chirp. Not a peep. Nothing. And he says to himself, what in the world? He's thinking to himself, this is crazy. So he then takes the plane and he takes it up and all the way up. And then he takes it down and he goes to the right. He goes to the left. He does spirals. He goes up and throughout the whole thing, not a peep. I mean, he didn't even hear, he didn't hear anything. Finally, the pilot gave up and he says, I'm just not going to get these folks to say anything. And so as he's coming down, getting, you know, as he's flying into the, the runway there to land the plane, he yells back and he says, I can't believe, you know, because the wind, so he's screaming, I can't believe that you guys didn't say a single word while you were back there. The husband says, well, I almost did when my wife fell out. (laughs) Battling wills. The will to save a buck or the will to do what's right. Battling wills. The will to save face. Or the, or the will to do what's right. Battling wills, the will to protect what I have, or the will to love as God has loved us. You can, you can go on and on and on. You want to know the will of God? You need to know God. And when you start studying and, and praying and meditating on the, on the life of Jesus Christ, because he is a revelation of who God the Father is, you quickly realize that God is a God of love. And so how does that play into our decision making? The guiding principle is this, that whenever you're faced with a decision in life, whether how, however small or however big it is, when you are faced with a decision in life as to whether or not I should stop and help this person in need or whether I need to stop what I'm doing and pay attention to my kids or whether or not I need to just put everything aside and go before my wife and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? 
Whenever you're faced with a decision in life, you need to ask yourself, what is the will of God? And the guiding principle is that God is a God of love. And that love sometimes causes us to deep surrender, to deep sacrifice. Sometimes love needs to be unconditional. And sometimes love means that I need to put myself second. I need to lose my life if I'm to live like God wants me to. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church would love to help you along the way. We are a family-oriented, grace-filled church serving the Frederick, Maryland area. You can learn more about us at frederick.sdachurch.org. For more podcasts, click the sermon audio link. 